Buenos dias, amigos. A little Spanish lingo there? Yeah. Hey, it's time for another installment of the Paul Leslie Hour, award-winning content that has tracked listeners in more than 100 countries. On this episode, we offer up something entertaining and interesting and intimate. Singer-songwriter Billy Gill. Billy came by to tell the story of how he came to be and played a few of his songs, live and unplugged. The songs make him feel groovy, and he hopes they make you feel groovy, too. So, listen in and dig the Billy vibe. You know, all of these great recordings that have been heard on the radio are being made available on all the listening platforms of our time. Oh, it's a lot of work. But the people have spoken. They want their Paul Leslie Hour. You can help us in our mission by going to thepaulleslie.com. That's www.thepaulleslie.com. And click on Support the Show. And thanks in advance to everyone who contributes. All right. No reason not to get this ball rocking and rolling. Here's Billy Gill on the Paul Leslie Hour. Just so that listeners can get a little bit of a background about your life, tell us about where you were born and a little bit about your childhood. I was born in Gainesville, Georgia, uh, which is uh, about 45 minutes northeast of Atlanta. I uh, grew up in the same house for, you know, till I was 18. Um, had a pretty, pretty happy childhood, I would say. Uh, and then moved to Texas, uh, to go to college. Uh, studied theater in Dallas, Texas. And, um, once I was through with that, I moved up to Chicago to pursue acting. And, um, and now I've found myself coming back to music which has always been something I've been into and, and, uh, and now it's just like, I, I like it. It's, it's what I, you know, it's what I would rather do with my time and energy. I mean, I love acting and it's something that I'll always love. And I think I bring a lot of what I learned in school to my, uh, to my songwriting, to my delivery, uh, when I'm singing and, you know, when I'm playing live, um, because, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in the in the the training that I got as an actor that totally applies to singer-songwriter stuff, you know, like in, in performing in general, you know, breathing and and being in the moment and all that stuff. So, so it all it all jives together in the end. So you'd say, as far as the two passions, you'd say the music one is the. The hungrier brother. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The music thing is something that I've always, like, from a very young age, like when I was five years old, and people would ask me, my grandfather asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and you know, I said a rock star. I don't even know if I had any experience with rock stars, but it just sounded like a good, good thing to do. Um, and and uh, I've always sung and sang and uh, and you know, started writing songs when I was like 15 years old. Um, 
and just it's always and even before that you know silly like kid songs that i would you know just sing and make up as i was walking around and you know at recess <laughs> so that was uh yeah it's always been in me it's a big part of me so i'm sure your your theater uh history i'm sure that that's probably influenced you and affected you as a music artist absolutely so tell us about some of the some of the the parts you had and some of the some of the 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 plays and whatnot that had strong musical background to them. Um, well, the uh, the first play I ever did actually was Oklahoma, um, which was uh, the high school musical or whatever. And I I had, I had sung all my you know in chorus and stuff. So when I I heard they were doing a musical and I was in high school, I just uh, I was uh, I started singing like a poodle. Um, and uh anyway so i did oklahoma that was a musical and then i discovered that i had some ability to actually you know uh inhabit a character and uh started doing straight plays after that which are you know plays without music and um and my my theater teacher uh in high school really encouraged me to uh pursue the acting and theater as a career so in terms of specific plays that influenced my uh my musical um you know craft and whatnot I I don't know if I don't know if I have any specific plays that have so much influenced my writing but uh you know at the training at at Southern Methodist University where I where I did my uh my BFA uh really we we went really deep into our um you know our our past and like into ourselves and stuff because so much of being a good actor is about understanding yourself so um you know there'd be various projects and stuff we'd work on uh that were designed to get us in touch with um you know deep emotions and strong uh events in our life that we hold a lot of uh we tie a lot of of emotion to and i remember specifically writing a couple of songs um, as a way to tap into those emotions. I wrote a song about my dad who, uh, passed away when I was 18, um, which is a, a song that I still play live today. Um, I wrote that for a class <laughs> in a solo performance. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of crossover. You mentioned you, you started writing songs when you were about 15. Do you remember your first song? I do. Uh, it was called Changes. Um, I wrote it about a girl, uh, that was, was obsessed with for several years. And, um, you know, we kind of went back and forth and, and, uh, it was basically like venting my frustration with the, the fact that, you know, we were on again, off again. And, and, uh, you know, and at one minute it's good and the next minute it's all like, you know, nothing you know so so the song was about why it sucks that everything has to change it's a very 15 year old theme you know because i'm changing 15 years old that's a big changing time I'm looking back on it now so yeah so how did you how did you end up going from georgia then to texas but then now you're you're in chicago how'd you end up in chicago i uh i actually um well, I was originally going to move to New York, 
Um, but my girlfriend, who was also uh, an actor, uh, or is still an actor, uh, we were in the same class together at SMU, and she had been sort of considering joining a theater company up there that was started by a bunch of SMU alums that was having some success. And um, and so she kind of knew where she was going, and I was like, you know, sort of like, I think New York would be good, uh, maybe L.A., I don't really know. But I just started this relationship with her and and uh, didn't really want to do long distance. So I was like, all right, I'll go to Chicago. What the hell? <laughs> and, uh, and it worked out. I like Chicago. A whiskey glass in my hand Cigarette on my lips An empty bar stool beside me And your hesitant hips I don't know what you're doing But you're doing it to me Something sad in your smile I think I'm starting to see But I'm not one of those, babe I'd never do you that way I'm not even sure why I wanna take it all away No, I can't make you trust me But I'll help you to try If you believe me, it must be I'm not one of those guys Trust me, but I 
Today's guest, Billy Gill, with one of those. Now back to our interview with Billy Gill. So what have you been listening to on your own as of late? What kind of what kind of music has, has grabbed your attention? Um, You know, in the last, well, I'm obsessed with uh, Martin Sexton right now. He's just like, he's like some sort of, He's got some sort of conduit from God, you know, when he's playing, he's just like, it, there's something greater than what can fit in his, you know, human form. So it's coming out. So he's, uh, he's a big, like, influence and inspiration and, uh, just a huge fan. Um, and I, I've also been listening to a lot of hip hop lately, um, specifically Blackalicious, um, Good friend of mine, uh, who I actually went to SMU with, his name's Astronautilus. Um, he's, he's doing some really interesting stuff. And, uh, and I, I like the Kanye West. He's, he's, he's good. I like his beats. I like his lyrics. Um, and I've been trying to sort of work in, you know, to my folk rock style, some, some more hip hop oriented, uh, lyric writing especially and and you know and just in the songwriting itself like it's more syncopations uh, like a, a bit of a you know i just really connect to that for some reason i, I dig this the syncopation and the the rapping is 
it's it's been sort of seeping into me lately, so I like it. I'm trying to use it. <laughs> what kind of stuff did you just in your youth and whatnot? Uh, what kind of stuff did you listen to? Or when you think about like uh, you think about the music you listened to in high school, for example, what comes to mind? Um, I was a Beatles fanatic. I mean, you know, still still am a huge fan. I mean, I wasn't a fanatic. I there there are fanatics. Um, I wasn't, you know, wearing the Sergeant Pepper gear to school, you know, but I was, um, I was a big fan and, you know, the Beatles anthology came out when I was a freshman in high school, um, which was a huge turning point in my musical tastes, you know, because up to that point I had listened to, I'd gone through a country phase, I'd gone through, you know, just general oldies music and, you know, of course the, uh, grunge phase of the early 90s, <laughs> uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Beatles were pretty much my biggest influence through high school. Yeah, musically and just artistically. They, they were just into some really cool stuff. You know, they really took some risks at a time that, you know, nobody else was taking those risks. And I think that's why they're so great. Not many people can say that they had the, the chance to cross paths with a beetle. Yeah. It's, and you have an interesting story there, and I think everyone wants, everyone's curiosity is piqued now. Well, I'd be glad to, I'd be glad to tell it. Uh, I was, so I was visiting my brother in London. Um, he was doing a study abroad thing there, and I, uh, I which broad? <laughs> which what? <laughs> I said which broad? Uh, all of them. Um, and, uh, I got, I got into London uh, the day after the 2004 elections. So uh, John Kerry had just lost to George Bush officially. And um, people in London were none too thrilled about this. So it was sort of surreal experience anyway. You know, it was my first time in Europe and, you know, there's this crazy international, like, news going on that directly affects me. And it was interesting. Um, so... My brother picks me up. It's early in the morning. I'm jet lagged and tired and we go and, uh, back to his flat and I put my stuff down and then we go out to eat at this place called La Richou. It's in uh, St. John's Wood in London. And, um, I walk in and I, and I look across the restaurant and I see this guy that looks a lot like Paul McCartney. And, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I'm retarded. Not every Englishman looks like Paul McCartney. Um, and, I started to tell my brother that I thought I saw him and I was like, no, never mind. And he was like, what? And I was like, I just, I thought that was Paul McCartney over there. And, uh, he was like, no, no, that's him. <laughs> and, we just, and then we walk across the restaurant as if like someone was guiding us. I don't, I don't think anyone was guiding us. Maybe the hostess was seating us. I was fixated on Paul McCartney. Um, and just sat, sat down right next to him and I was freaking out and like, what do I do? What do I say? Oh my God, there's Paul McCartney. Uh, what do I do? This is like something I had thought about actually before in my life. What I'm going to do if I ever come, if I ever cross paths with him. <laughs> and of course I was, you know, dumb and, and speechless, but, um, his, he was eating brunch, I guess with his, uh, wife and his daughter or his then wife. Um, and, uh, his daughter turned around and, oh, well, I was, I was considering whether or not I should disturb them and, uh, <laughs> and say, I, you know, I'm a big fan. And, um, 
I was talking to my brother and I was like, you know what? Ah, never mind. I should just let it be. And then I was like, Ooh, yes, indeed. Uh, so I, so I felt like the decision was made for me. And then almost instantly his daughter turns around and starts making faces at my brother and I and Paul McCartney like looks over and he's like, she's quite sociable. <laughs> and I was like, she's beautiful. And he agreed. And, and that was pretty much my brush with Paul McCartney. <laughs> Seemed like a nice fellow. And you wrote a song shortly thereafter, correct? Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was, um, that was actually a big turning point in my, in my life. You know, that was sort of where I decided, you know, I'm going to do this music thing. Like, cause I felt, I felt like there's really, you know, how often do people come in contact with the Beatles, especially, you know, <laughs> when on their first day in London, you know? So I felt like that was some sort of sign and, uh, really was just, something that gave me an impetus to do what I had always really wanted to do and, uh, you know, go for it. So I, I wrote a song. I was, you know, I had my guitar there. I was just inspired and I just started writing, uh, just writing for the sake of writing. Cause sometimes with, with songs, especially during that period, I'll just go work on a song for like, you know, one song I've worked on for like a year and, you know, I make little tweaks and chisel away and it never sounds good enough. And just, I'm not a big, um, you know, I wasn't very prolific during that time period. I wrote maybe like three or four songs a year. Um, but this was sort of like, you know, throw caution to the wind. I just met Paul McCartney. So I wrote a song called Always On My Mind, which is real simple. And I, I needed to, you know, simplify my music at the time too, I thought. So I wrote something real simple that reminded me of early Beatles, you know, um, kind of, kind of poppy, you know, kind of, kind of, overly sweet but uh but you know still a really good song and that was um that was always on my mind one two three four i can't be exact as to why some hearts stay intact just know mine is still like that Because you're always on my mind If I was forced to fight a war And I was shipped to distant shores There would be nothing to fight for Except that you're always on my mind You are always on my mind You are always on my mind If I could travel around the world Swimming in oceans filled with girls They'd just be oysters to your pearls Oh baby, you're always on my mind
back to our talk with today's guest Billy Gill there's another one of your songs uh, called Still Life and you describe it as something that makes you feel groovy and you hope that it makes other people feel groovy too so tell us about Still Life and this groovy vibe you know I was just when did I, I wrote this song I, I'm a yoga practitioner and um, and as I was discovering yoga I was getting really into um, I was just like, life was just becoming more and more beautiful every day because I was learning how to live in the present moment. You know, I was opening up, you know, parts of my body, like energy in my body that had been blocked for years. And, you know, I, I was realizing all these amazing things about myself. And, and I realized like, man, people, people get in a hurry and people really, and myself included, really take, take it pretty seriously this whole living thing and um and i don't think it's i don't think we take enough time to you know just sit and enjoy where we are wherever we are you know like in the song i I write about like you know being done with school because i i recently graduated from college which was a blessing you know i loved college but i was ready to be done with it and, uh, I write about, you know, it's one of those, one of those mornings where you've got nowhere to be and you're just where you are. Um, and really where you've been eternally. Uh, you know, because we're, you know, we think we make progress in life and truth is we, we really, we're always in the same place. Um, and so it's good to, I think, sometimes just sit in that place and enjoy it. So. It makes me feel groovy, and I hope it makes you feel groovy, too. Let me paint this picture Don't take my brush from me the canvas is your eyelids Close them if you'd like to see It's one of those mornings, you know When you've got nowhere to be And you're just where you are Where you've been eternally Damn, it feels good to be free 
Speaking in, in global terms, the fact that through the powers of technology, this program can go out all over the world, what would you, Billy Gill, like to say to the world? I would like to say to the world, um, you know, this is a good place that we live in, this world, uh, and, and just uh doesn't matter where you are, where you come from, you know, we all got something that we share and uh it's just important to remember that and um so yeah it's not just you you're not alone we're all in this together that's right well billy i do thank you for coming on here it has been a pleasure hey man pleasure's all mine thanks a lot paul Oh 
hold your breath. I take off when you fly. The lack of oxygen will help us all get high. And always close your eyes when you're breathing in the spring. The flowers know a tune. They will teach us all to sing. Teach us to sing. Teach us to sing. Teach us to sing. Teach us to sing, teach us to sing, teach us to sing, teach us to sing, teach us to sing with me tonight, and I'll show you what I've been dreaming about, stay with me till the
thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.